Welcome to the American Institute of Stress's official podcast, Finding Contentment. The goal of this podcast is to highlight new information about stress and stress management techniques. While we understand that stress is a very personalized issue and different for everyone, we hope to help you find your own way to contentment. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back. This is your host and executive director for the American Institute of Stress, Will Heckman. Thanks for joining us again today. If you've uh, been a a viewer or a listener in the past. And for those of you that are joining us for the very first time, this podcast is uh, focuses on stress and stress-related issues. Uh, please remember to follow us at stress.org at the American Institute of Stress, and also send in those reviews and comments. We love hearing from you guys. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you know what I'm going to say next, right? <laughs> We appreciate it if you hit the like button or the subscribe button. It's down there somewhere, too. So, so hit the button. I know it's like almost like exercise, but please do that today. Um, today, we're going to be talking about wellness and well-being. Now, wellness has several dimensions, including emotional well-being. You know, you're coping effectively with life and creating satisfying relationships and, and physical well-being. You know, we all recognize the need for physical activity, uh, eat, but eating healthy foods and sleep and also being resilient. Now, our guest today wrote on her website, resilience is defined as the ability to navigate and recover from challenges and challenges are stress. So we're going to be talking today with uh, Elle Hollander Um she is the owner of Elevate Stress Management Service in, in Brunswick, Georgia. Elle has a, a master's degree in adult education with an emphasis on behavioral psychology. And she also has a, a universal university diploma in uh, comprehensive nutrition, which we're going to be talking about today. And she focused her research on reciprocal effects of stress and nutrition, a very big topic these days. She's also a diplomat of the American Institute of Stress and recently she provided a workforce wellness and well-being course uh, where she authored and designed an informal educated resilience training course for the uh, AIS members. Absolutely free. Another reason to become a member. It is available still on Elle's website. And if you want to find that course, all you have to do is go to L Harlander. It's E-L-L-H-A-R-L-A-N. DER.com and click on the projects tabs and you'll still find it. Um, but it was, if you are a member, you would have gotten it for Christmas as a present. <laughs> so please join me in welcoming uh, Shelly Hollander. Hi, y'all. Thanks Hi, for joining it's us. It's great to see you. It's good to see you again, too. Hope everything is good where you are. Oh, everything is great here. Uh, you know, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about, you, you and I share some. Um, Commonality. We were both we were both educators and, and, and in the field of education for a long time. And and you decided <clears throat> to get into stress management in Open El- Elevate, uh, which was outstanding. And and you're doing a lot of great stuff. But how did that happen? What, how did that transition happen? I know it happened for me because I just sort of fell into it. So I I have no excuse. But I think for you it was a conscious choice. 
Well, it was kind of both. So um, I do instructional design and I also do education. And that means I do training needs analysis, I design courses, and then I also uh, facilitate seminars. And I think it was back in 2017, I was getting a lot of phone calls asking me if I had any workforce resilience seminars that kind of went beyond the basics. And I really didn't. And after probably a half a dozen phone calls, I decided that it was something I really needed to offer. So I took a year and I researched the stress response and resilience. And like you mentioned, it also included uh, enrolling back at college. I got a university diploma in stress management, well, in comprehensive nutrition, but I focused all of my research on nutrition and the stress response system. I met with a lot of subject matter experts and I did a lot of research. And so from 2018 to the end of last year, I really focused a lot on giving workforce resilience seminars and I had classes that individuals could come to so they could learn how to manage their resilience, well, become more resilient and manage uh, their stress. Right now, I'm kind of more back in the training needs analysis and instructional design. So I decided to take everything that I've learned and put it into four different e-courses. And I'm really excited to have collaborated with the American Institute of Stress on one of those. And we were really grateful for that. It, it got a really good response and I got a lot of positive ref- uh, of, of opinions about it and, and, and people telling us how much they enjoy taking it. I took it. I thought it was great. You know, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, when I have conversations with people about stress, believe it or not, it comes up often um, because of what I do. Work is up there. I mean, it's, it's, you know, and for those people who who don't know this, um, stress affects us in so many different ways. You know, I just had a conversation with Dr. Lewis Coleman and, and, God, that guy is is brilliant in talking about stress with him and what it really does to us. And we have a, a new assessment. Uh, if you go to oh, stress, stress.org, you'll see a new assessment there and uh, the Roche uh, stress assessment test. And it's, it's a great way. And you'll see that a lot of people work as one or two. Of what causes their stress. So it's such an important subject. And, and thank God people like you are paying attention to it. One of the things you talk about in your course, though, is about how people hold on to tension and anxiety and frustration. Most of the time, that's all caused by stress. Um, or, you know, you said on your website, it's challenges, but that's what stress is. It's a challenge to your body or to your mind, that you, how your body reacts. What are some of the ways people can let go of that? I, I've talked to people constantly, especially young people lately, uh, that are very frustrated, very anxious. How do they let go of that? Well, first of all, I can't, I want to mention that some level of stress is actually very good for us, right? Yes. Because it motivates us and it helps us, you know, set goals and to achieve those goals and it stops us from stagnating. So we do want some amount of stress in our lives. The last thing we want to do is to avoid it. Um, and I kind of use an analogy with a balloon. So if you have a balloon, if you've ever blown up a balloon, you sort of immediately learn two things, right? You learn that if you put too much air into that balloon, it's not going to be that point. And you learn if you put I'm sorry, too little air into that balloon, it's not going to be that point. But if you put too much in, it becomes really pressurized, right? And any little impact can make make it burst. And it's the same when we have our frustrations, our tensions, um, the same with us. We need some, otherwise we're not going to be buoyant or resilient enough. 
Um, but we really need to make sure that we're managing it so we, we don't become like that overblown balloon that just is stretched beyond its limit. And so um, in the course, I talk about three different topics to help us manage that. So one of the things is healthy behaviors. So if we can follow a very nutrient-rich diet, if we exercise, and if we manage conflict as it arises, then that's one way that can help us ensure that we're managing our stress so it doesn't get to that, to that point where we do feel like we're stressed beyond our limits. Um, another way are coping strategies. So we can learn to sort of label and reframe our thoughts or unhook from our disruptive thoughts and emotions. And we can do things that will elicit the stress, the relaxation response. And as I'm sure you know, that's thought to, you know, produce more acetylcholine. So it can reduce the psychological and muscle tension that we might have. And then lastly, we want to really try to avoid thinking traps that really get us stuck in our negative emotions. And we want to choose mindsets um, that are really resilient. And so those are three of the things that I go over in the course. And hopefully we can talk a little bit more about those today. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Those are, those are the things that really come up, especially thinking traps. Um, it is said that we have what 80, 70 to eighty thousand thoughts a day, and like seventy five, right? huh? At least some of us more. Uh, yeah, right. And and but seventy five percent of them are negative. Uh, well, okay, that that's a trap. You know, you're falling down a, a dark pit. You have to learn to imagine if you could just get that down to fifty percent. Wow, you'd be twenty five percent happier. I don't know, but we're, <laughs> we're going to get to a, a, something that. Uh, that you mentioned, which was uh, conflict resolution. But first, I want to talk about something that I'm, I'm involved with myself right now. And I find that as people get older, they start considering it more and more. And that's diet. I, I never realized, you know, when you're a kid, you, I can eat McDonald's and, and have a Coke. If I did that now, it, it would make me literally sick. And people are not always conscious uh, or aware of what they're choosing to eat and their food. You know the old saying, you are what you eat. So you talk a lot about diet, and you're obviously an expert in nutrition. And I wanted to talk to you about that. A lot of people talk to me about diet, but it usually involves work. You have to plan and change diet and stuff like that. I've done it myself. And let me, one of the, and I'm sure you'll mention it, one of the uh, uh, worst things that we consume is, is sugar in, in my book. I mean, it causes so many problems. So t tell us about how we can have a, a healthier diet. Yeah, sure. So diet is actually surprisingly important when we're managing stress. Um, but before I mention that, I do want to say that a healthy diet does look different for everybody because genetics plays a role, medication can play a role, disease can play a role. So before anyone makes any changes to their diet or to their supplement regime, I always say check with your licensed healthcare provider. Um, but as far as, yeah, but as far as um, diet and stress, there's such a big correlation because our stress response system, the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis, the, the HPA axis, it actually has to rob our normal body processes of nutrients in order to gather energy for our flight or fight response. 
So what happens is if we don't have a nutrient-rich diet or a diet really rich in antioxidants, we can cause ourselves harm, uh, really in two ways. So if we have inadequate stores of our vitamins and our minerals, what's going to happen is that when our stress response kicks in, it's robbing them. And so now we don't have enough stores for our normal body processes. So we're putting our immune system at risk. We're putting our digestive system at risk. And we might even not have enough nutrients left over to create those feel-good neurochemicals. Mm. So now we're impairing our mood by not having proper nutrition when we are stressed out. But then there's a second side to that, where if we are chronically stressed or persistently stressed or have acute stress, and we keep on robbing those nutrients, eventually we're not going to have enough for the stress response system. And when that happens, the stress response system becomes very hyper-excitable. And what that means for you and me is that it the feelings of stress become much more intense and it becomes much more uh, time consuming to recover from stress. And so we really want to make sure that we have enough uh, nutrients in our diet to cover stressful events, you know, before, during and after. So choosing nutrient dense foods is really, really important for any kind of stress management system. And then I mentioned uh, antioxidants. I, I can't tell you how important that is when we're managing our stress. And one of the reasons for that is because the HPA axis can sometimes spontaneously uh, produce free radicals. Mm. Now, for those who aren't familiar with free radicals, what they do is they have an unpaired electron and they scavenge the body looking to pair that up. And when they find a compound that they steal an electron from, well, they destabilize that. And so inflammation can occur and oxidative stress can occur. And now once again, we're creating a hyperexcitability of that HPA axis. So we're feeling our stress more and it's making it more difficult to recover. And of course, it can affect our immune system. So we really want to make sure that we have antioxidants in our diet, you know, if we're going to at any time, because we want to have it there available for when we do get stressed out. And we definitely want to replenish them during times of stress. So a diet is extremely important and it's more and more important as we age, as you mentioned. Right. I, yeah, I've noticed. Um, and, and you know what? It's, it's a, it's a horrible cycle. It's like, you can't get off this merry-go-round because you're stressed out and you eat crappy food. You, you reach for crappy food. That's it's, it's a perfectly normal response. You know, I'm going to have a donut. It's going to make me feel better. And then you feel bad about eating the six donuts um, that, <laughs> that you reached for. Yeah, I know. But it, so so it's it's such a horrible cycle. But if you get into really considering the food that you eat, like you say, you know, just a, a few healthier choices. And, and, and you have to understand that, like, like I said before, you are what you eat. If you're not eating food with the right nutritions in it, like you said, your immune system can be compromised. Right now, everyone's thinking about that. Right. And it can impair your mood. And, right. you know, that's something that, you know, so many people are, are feeling stressed right now, that it's really, really important to do whatever you can to bolster your mood. Right. And, and reaching for uh, some of the things that they reach for can have a detrimental effect. For instance, if you're reaching for something that has a lot of sugar in it, you're going to crash and you, you're going to feel like like garbage after that. I've done it myself. We're all human. We've done it. But yeah. if you make a habit of it, it's going to have a long term negative effect. 
guys, when you get to be my age, that's not good. I mean, your knees hurt, your back hurts, your shoulders hurt, but hands hurt. I'll go on. Anyway, <laughs> diet is, is without a doubt, uh, top of the list of one of the things you should take care of. But in one of the things that you address, one of the issues that you addressed, and I said I wanted to talk about this because I have a little background in it as a teacher, is conflict resolution. And we were trained in conflict resolution. I find that a lot of people who talk to me about the workplace stress um, bring that up. Uh, you know, and the example you used was at work, how you use conflict. And you mentioned that to have a win-win kind of situation, you need, you need to practice healthy assertiveness. And I wanted to ask you about that because um, – Sometimes people say to me, oh, I have a coworker that's so assertive, they just drive me crazy. So I would like people to hear from you what, what a healthy assertiveness is. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I define healthy assertiveness as a very direct and honest expression of what your needs are and what your perspectives are, but done in such a manner that both sides get to retain their dignity. So that's very important. Mm. So if you're not doing it where you're making sure both sides are retaining their dignity, then it's not really assertiveness anymore. It's it's aggression. And we really need to take a look at and examine how we manage conflict in our lives. Um, I know personally, I was a people pleaser for a very long time. And that caused a lot of undue stress for me because when conflict arose, I wasn't de-escalating my stress levels. I was escalating them by responding in that manner. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, people pleasers, they'll often take on responsibilities that aren't theirs. They enable bad behaviors and sometimes they'll even just try to avoid the conflict and then it just lingers and it's not getting managed, right? And there's a lot of reactions to conflict that will escalate it rather than de-escalate your stress levels. It's not just people pleasing. Um, you know, there's the aggression, there's passive aggressiveness, there's victimizing, there's blaming, there's avoiding. So you know, there's a lot of different ways to approach conflict that actually will increase our stress levels and reduce our well-being. And so healthy assertiveness is very important because it can prevent, you know, escalated tension. It can prevent um, escalated resentments and it can also prevent delayed resolution. And so when we practice healthy assertiveness, we're doing that for ourselves, but we're also doing that for the person we're having conflict with. So it sort of creates more of a win-win situation and the stress levels can really be reduced by, by it. Now, are we going to manage the conflict 100% every time? No, but at least we have managed the impacts that conflict can have on us and on the other party. You know, you, you bring up a really good point of being a people pleaser. Um, so I, I've been accused of that myself and it was a hard lesson to learn. And I finally read a quote. I forgot who said it. I'm old and I can't remember anything. But it said, it, it, it stated that I can't tell you how to succeed, but I can tell you how to fail. And that's try to please everyone. Absolutely. And it, and it made so much sense to me. And you're right, you know. It, it can be a win-win situation, and there is a difference, and I hope people caught that, between be, having healthy assertiveness and aggression. Yes. There's a difference. 
um, and, and if you remember that and keep it in mind going into the conversation at work or relationship or whatever, I think it's a, it's a big help. The problem I see, and maybe you can help me with this, is how people learn how to do that or have a, a healthy assertiveness. I think what they need to do is go to your website and take the course uh, and really see what that looks like. I think I also sometimes will use the analogy that if we're healthy, assertive communicators, we're like a gardener. Hmm. We go out and we decide exactly what we want to plant, so to speak. And then we protect our harvest. We make sure we do the minimal amount of environmental damage possible. Because the last thing that we want to harvest is resentment, agitation, frustration. And so a lot of the times you can think of healthy assertiveness as really tending to a garden and making sure that your harvest is good and you're not doing a lot of damage and you're protecting whatever it is that you're harvesting. So I think that's one analogy that sometimes helps people understand the difference between being aggressive and being assertive. Yeah, that's a very good analogy. I, I like that a lot. It also gets people on your side, on your team. You know, I've always told kids that, um, you know, if you want something and they would complain, oh, this teacher is this and this teacher is this. I said, well, why you have to learn to, like you said, you know, plant something and, and grow a relationship with somebody so that they're on your team, they're on your side. And, and that can happen. And the reason we're really talking about it is because of the amount of stress work brings to people's lives. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's right up there at the top of the list and it can cause so many other problems, lack of sleep, you know, it, it, yes. difficulty in home relationships, bad balances of work and, and home. So it's important for people to learn things like healthy assertiveness. And again, I, I'm telling you, everyone who's listening, you have to go to the site and see what that looks like. Uh, that, and there were some great diet tips and things like that. And, and also along with diet, um, you stress, pardon the pun, making uh, exercise a habit to help reduce stress. We've talked about that before. And it, it can get complicated to exercise. First of all, people have very busy lives. Oh, I have no time to exercise. Well, you, you really have no time not to um, if you want to stay healthy. So I wanted to ask you, you know, maybe some easy things people can do for to, as an exercise routine. And I also wanted to ask you, you know, because I think age plays a factor in that also. Uh, I'm, I'm less active than I was in my 20s, 30s, and 40s and on, but I still play tennis and I still am active. So what, is, what are some of the things, anything people can do? They need to stay active. They need to exercise. They need to stop just making excuses. So, so I would say I probably have maybe three tips of advice for that because we do want to exercise because it does produce those feel-good endorphins. And then we did talk about when we're stressed out, how it can affect our immune system and it can create psychological and even um, muscle tension. And exercise can really help reduce those. So it's really important to get exercise in. And I would say one of the most important things we can do, it sounds very obvious, but a lot of people overlook it, is we want to use physical activities that are that we like and that fit into our life. 
So if you've never been a gym person and you've always been more of an outdoor person, um, you probably don't want to sign up for gym membership because you're going to end up resenting that gym. And so you're not going to persist in, in doing that, those activities. So you probably want to look more at kayaking or biking or you know, walking in nature. If you're a person who likes to watch TV to relax or unwind, then you might want to get a stepper and step while you're watching your favorite show. You just want to make sure that it's not something you're going to end up resenting so that you can continue to persist in it. And then secondly, I'd say you really need to plan it because studies show that when we plan something out in executable steps, we're more likely to continue to pursue and be committed to it. And so, like you say, we have busy lifestyles or maybe we're getting older and we can't do a full 30 minutes of exercise at a time. Well, that's fine. We just, you know, we, we plan it out and we look. So if we have a lot of energy in the morning, then maybe we want to schedule our exercise in the morning. But if our mornings are very, very um, scheduled already, we don't want to plan to exercise in the morning because we're less likely to be to be able to consistently do it. So we're kind of setting ourselves up for failure, right? So we can always choose just, you know, maybe two 15-minute increments during the day. Maybe choose three different time frames. We can fit those in. So if you don't get to exercise one of the times, you still have another time period where you know you could fit in just maybe 15 minutes of exercise. Um, and then I would say you really got to know your why. Because when we have um, personalized intentions, it becomes meaningful for us. And anything that's meaningful is what we prioritize. So just knowing that exercise is healthy for us is sort of vague. But if we know why we want to exercise, then we are invested in it. So for example, I like the immune benefits from exercising and the stress busting benefits. And so every day I exercise because I think, you know, I really want to do something good for my immune system today and I'm not going to stop. Or I think, you know, I really, you know, Managing my stress is very important. This is part of my stress management routine. So I continue to exercise every day. I have a why that sort of motivates me and prioritizes it. So I think that's very important as well. You now know, you exercise a lot, I believe, right? I, I, I do, but not, I used to be an athlete. I, I was a competing athlete and I, I traveled around the country uh, playing in a sport that nobody plays anymore. So what's that? It was handball. Handball, and, okay. You know, I started as a kid in my 20s playing handball and um, went all the way to the state championships in Florida and, you know, traveled. It, it was great. It was a great community. It was certainly a hard sport. I have a laundry list of injuries because of it, but that's another show. But I'm listening to you and I'm I'm hearing myself say to people, people used to come to me and ask me about exercise before anything to do with stress. You know, I want to exercise. And I would say the same thing you did. Don't just join a gym just to lift weights. You're going to get bored. You're going to quit. If you want to do what I yeah, why do you want to exercise? Well, I want to get stronger. I want to lose weight. I want to, okay, but you're going to, you're going to quit six weeks. Yeah, you know, that's it. But if you were, planning to do your exercise with a certain goal in mind for you it's to improve your immune system a lot of times now lately i do it to improve my breathing because i have asthma and it, it does wonders for it but if you are interested in a sport that is fun or find one that is fun yes pickleball is a rage now. I don't know why, but I have never played it. So, but if you exercise for no other reason, just to get better at that or to not get hurt doing that, 
that's good enough. Yes. Yes. So, you know, so I'm listening to you. I'm like, oh, my God, it's exactly what I used to tell people. You know, if you do exercise, I think I, I know I should. Well, there's a lot of things I should do, but I don't always do them. But I do them if I, you know, if at the end of the day, it it makes my life better. Yes. A tangible yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it does improve your mood. It does relieve your stress. It produces those endorphins. It really does help you. If, if the last two years has taught us anything, <clears throat> excuse me, it's that we need to, as Elle says, take care of our immune system. Exercise is one, definitely one of the ways to do it. And that's at any age, at any age. Okay, so I don't want to go too long because I know you and I can have conversations for hours <laughs> about, about I, I just love talking to you and I, I loved your course. Uh, but the last thing I want to talk about is in the course you go into uh, coping strategies that has come up uh, more than one time. And one of the things you said is that that I really like is that our thoughts and emotions can be like unwanted guests. When, and when I read that, I went, oh, my God, that hit home. Uh, you know, we all have that. Our worst enemies, that little voice in our head uh, telling us all these negative thoughts. Like we said, you know, 75% of our thoughts are negative every day. It's, there's nothing wrong with you. That's human nature. But you have to do something about that. But when you said there are unwanted guests, it really hit home. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So I think we've all been to some kind of event, whether it's a family reunion or maybe a work meeting or some kind of recreational event where a Debbie Downer or Bob Bummer shows up, right? And the event would have been just absolutely fine without them, but they're insisting on just shifting our attention to the negative and then magnifying it, right? And so our thoughts and our emotions can do that to us as well. And to give you like a little bit of an example, I recently had um, what most people would consider a very stressful meeting. Um, I was meeting with several individuals to give them recommendations on um, training and educating adults with learning disabilities. And the individuals I was meeting with fancied themselves experts in absolutely everything. Now, they didn't have any background in instructional design and they didn't have any background in adult um, learning models, but they were pretty sure they didn't have much to learn from me. Um, and you don't meet these people very often, but sometimes you do when they're just experts and you end up feeling like you're just spinning in a hamster wheel. Like no matter how much you do, you're just not getting anywhere with them. And these type of meetings, you know, they can cause anxiety for some people. Um, they can cause frustration, defensiveness, even anger. And when those things come up, those are unwanted guests because those are what is negative that's going to shift our attention to them. And that's just going to magnify everything and everything else just kind of goes and fades into the background. And so we have to be really careful about those unwanted guests, those negative emotions that sort of take over any event that we're at. And one way that we can sort of uninvite these unwanted guests from our headspace is to use emotional granularity. And what that basically is, is we look at, you know, the, the emotion that we're feeling. We know that we're feeling upset or we know that we're feeling anxious and we pinpoint exactly what's causing it. And so we decide, you know, am I feeling this way because I'm feeling judged? Do I feel overwhelmed? Do I feel this is unfair? 
And the reason why we do this is because this is how we uninvite the guest. So we have two parts of, we have several parts of the brain that handle stress, obviously, but two parts that I'm speaking about uh, in particular. So we have our amygdala, which is going to notice the threat and it's going to activate the processes. So we really notice our threat. We're going to feel emotions, right? So these emotions are supposed to shift our focus over to what we need to pay attention to. And then we have our ventrolateral prefrontal cortex. Now this handles stress by trying to understand it. And then it engages in decision-making and goal-oriented behaviors. So when we are just feeling that stress, maybe we're just feeling defensive, we're going to make decisions while we're still stuck in that emotional-laden amygdala. We might get defensive. We might walk out of the room. We might do a lot of things that really aren't going to help us. It's just going to create you know, more stress and magnify the situation. But if we pinpoint exactly what's causing it, now we've shifted our attention from that amygdala to the ventrolateral prefrontal cortex, which says, ah, I understand my threat now. And I can go about making decisions that are going to help me deal with this threat. So just really pinpointing exactly what's happening is a way that we can sort of uninvite this unwanted guest that's sort of magnifying our stress. So that's one way that um, we can handle that. What about um, physical things we can do to to help us cope with that stress at that moment? I, I had a trick when I was playing. Um, I don't. It's it, it's going to sound silly, but I would be playing somebody and I'd be losing, and you'd be stressing out about that, especially if it's against somebody you're supposed to be beating, and you're in a tournament. There's an audience and and all that. So I would get up to serve and I would turn around and purposely slow down and smile right at the guy. First of all, it freaked out the opponent. Second of all, <laughs> the, the physicality of smiling at that moment sort of took me out of that mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you're just, you're really trying to elicit that relaxation response. So yeah, you do want to sort of slow down what you're doing. You do want to do something that is a little more positive, whether it's smiling, uh, making more eye contact. Yeah, absolutely. Those are little things that can also help us along the way. I think those are wonderful tips. <laughs> you know what? This is just awesome. We, like I said, we can we could talk about this for a long time. Um, I, I learned so much from uh, talking to you and from taking your course and, and just looking at your website. Uh, so I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for doing this today. Uh, and if you're listening, you're not going to get everything you need to know just from us having a 40 minute conversation. It's just, it's just not going to happen. You need to put a little work into it. If you're feeling so stressed that, you know, that you're noticing it every day, do something about it. The one thing that you should never ever do about stress is nothing. If you do nothing, nothing is going to change. So go to uh, Elle's website uh, at lhollander.com. Look at the course. Hit that projects tab, and you'll you'll find some of the courses. Thank you, Elle. I appreciate well, thank you, you joining it's such a today. Pleasure to talk to you. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. So thank you very much. And, and let me also say, on behalf of the American Institute of Stress, we, we love having you as a diplomat, and we appreciate all you do for us and for our members. Um, it's, it's very generous of you, and, and you're, you're definitely an asset to AIS. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
All right, everybody, that's going to be it for today. Like I said, go to lhollander.com and don't forget to visit us at stress.org. This has been your host, Will Heckman, the executive director for the American Institute of Stress. And I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Please don't forget, follow this podcast on your podcast listening station or if you're listening at YouTube, again, hey, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Really appreciate that. And I want to remind everybody that, you know, just as stress is different for everyone, there's no one stress management tool or technique that works for everyone. So that means you need to join us on our next podcast um, to learn about the uh, different uh, tools and techniques and maybe it'll help you live a, a, a healthier and happier and hopefully a longer life. I hope the information that you heard today from Ellen and myself will help you find contentment. It's a good day, everyone.